From the Financial Times in London, I'm Patrick Jenkins, the FT's financial editor, and this is FT News. Matteo Renzi, the Italian Premier, has lost his referendum on constitutional reform, plunging the country into political crisis, but also, arguably more importantly, into financial crisis. Well, here to discuss the fallout for the country's banks are Martin Arnold, our banking editor, from Milan, Rachel Sanderson, our Italy correspondent, and Davide Serra, the founder of investment firm Algebris. Martin, give us your 30,000-foot view. The latest news on the political front is that Matteo Renzi has been asked by the Italian president to stay on as prime minister until the budget law is passed, extending his stay for at least another week if he agrees to it. That's potentially quite good news as far as the banking sector concerned, which has emerged as the biggest focus of investor jitters because you've got two of the three biggest banks in Italy in the middle of raising large amounts of capital, one more urgently than the other, but both potentially affected by this. Monte di Paschi di Siena, which looks like it could be heading for a government bailout if its planned 5 billion euro capital raising is torpedoed. I mean, there are talks now and they need to decide this week, I think, between the Italian government and the ECB, the regulator, to decide what happens there. The other big uncertainty, perhaps from a slightly stronger position, is that Unicredit, the country's biggest bank, which is trying to raise some 13 billion euros, that's expected to be unveiled next week, but not to actually happen until early next year. So they've got a bit more time there and they're coming from a stronger position. Well, let me go to Rachel in Milan now. Firstly, to untangle where we are at with this whole Monte de Paschi rescue fundraising. They'd come out with a plan to raise 5 billion euros a little while ago. They'd embarked last week on the first leg of that with a kind of debt for equity swap, where I think they got about a billion euros of sign up for that programme. But then the second and third phase of that, getting in an anchor investor, supposedly Qatar, and then issuing new shares to existing shareholders and others. Those parts of the plan seem to have been thrown completely off course by the Renzi referendum. Is that fair to say, Rachel? Yes, that's fair to say, but I think it's important to take a step back, which is the reason that Monte Paschi, which of course is Italy's third largest bank by assets, currently the reason it's having to raise this five billion in capital is because the ECB bank supervisor earlier in the year said that it wanted it to get rid of about 28 billion euros in gross non-performing loans. And of course, if you're going to sell non-performing loans off, particularly in one fell swoop, you're going to open up a capital gap on your balance sheet. So that's why Monte Paschi is specifically having to go for this 5 billion. But yes, it is a cross-conditional deal. It is extremely complex. It is extremely difficult under even the most tranquil market circumstances with the volatility that's been injected into the market over the last few days. It has become even more difficult. What we are seeing at the moment is that Marco Morelli, the chief executive of Monte de Paschi, has flown to Frankfurt and is in meetings there today. My understanding is that he is looking to buy a bit more time because the advisors, JP Morgan, have been seeking for some time to see whether the Qatar Investment Authority would be willing to inject one or maybe even two billion in as an anchor investor and that there is a belief inside the bank and amongst the bankers advising that if they do that, 
you could get between 10 and 20 other investors who'd be willing to stump up around 100 million euros each, which would help the bank out. Clearly, well, we've got a situation where Renzi is sort of prime minister for another week, but there is no clarity who will come in after him, although we've got names in the frame such as Finance Minister Piercarlo Paduan, which is something that the markets would see with a certain amount of assurance. Clearly, Mr Morelli at Monte Paschi is now asking the ECB if he can push back the time frame for this deal. Going back to that first point, the reason they are under such a tight time frame at the moment is because the ECB had wanted these non-performing loans to be hived off the balance sheet by the end of this year in order to do a capital hike at Monte de Paschi, which would coincide with the time frame for getting rid of the non-performing loans, they were going to have to submit documents into Italy's stock exchange by the end of this week to be able to get a cap hike away before the end of the year. So as you can see, it's just highly complex. Okay, so that may buy them a little bit more time. But even if time was on their side, would they really be able to persuade the Qatar Investment Authority to proceed with this anchor investment? As far as I understand it, the QIA's interest in this would not necessarily particularly be in Monte de Paschi, but actually in gaining a kind of favourable reputation in Italy, positioning itself to be able to get other, maybe more attractive investment opportunities elsewhere in Italy. But of course, if the government is no longer the same one as they initially were dealing with under Renzi, then that all falls away. And of course, on top of that, the economic situation is uncertain. Exactly. I think the QIA as a buyer is well known that sometimes it buys for, as it were, the actual market interest and too for possible political influence or political interest. And that's certainly been discussed in Milan over the last few weeks. What I'm hearing here is that the bank is being readied for a precautionary recapitalisation, which it would be allowed to do under EU rules. If there is a sort of systemic risk from the bank, what they're looking at is pumping some money in, but also a mandatory conversion of about five billion in subordinated debt into equity at face value, which would be able to shore up its balance sheet in that way. There is a broader discussion, of course, because we have other banks in Italy, particularly two banks in the Veneto, which by some estimates need around €3 billion as well to be pumped into them to shore up their capital because they have been leaking deposits and just a very weak pair of banks in the Veneto that they also need money. So there is a question about whether, one, is there going to be contagion or concerns spooking investors from the Montepaschi situation and it will spook investors and then make it difficult for the Veneto banks to raise that capital, or two, there is some limited discussion that I've heard about would it be possible to actually get a broader umbrella deal in which you could get 10 billion that the Italian state might be able to get the sign off to pump into all three banks at the same time. Yes, these precautionary capitalizations, lovely euphemism for state bailouts, basically. Thank you, Rachel, for that. Let me go to Davide now. Davide, you are a big investor in financial securities of various kinds. Would you buy into Italian banks right now? Well, we have kept position over the course of the year in Tesa and Unicredit hybrid security. So they are in additional tier one security, uh, contingent convertible. And through the sellout in the summer, the indiscriminate sellout of the summer out of fear of um, basically deflation forever, we've taken a fairly significant position in Bank Intesa at around 1.6 euro which is the strongest bank in Italy, and it's one of the strongest in VCB under stress test. So we do think that Italy is attractive. I think the NPS situation will be resolved, probably like Rachel said, and that's important because basically it removes systemic risk. Unicredit, I think, will be able to do its capital raise, 
and I think it will become a very interesting opportunity in the rice issue. And then I think at that point, the third very important opportunity is in the non-performing loan space, where we as algebras have become the number one player in the market over the last three years in the secure space with 40% market share. And that's because buying distressed assets uh, were really somehow insulated by the so-called market volatility. Uh, we're buying real assets with secured loans, and their returns are safer, more stable, less liquid, but very attractive in today's world. 